LCM. Tonight is October 12th, 2023. And I know you already heard Pastor Wade say it, but we are seven days away from the oh One Association gosh. Conference. Somebody say seven days. Seven days. Wait, brother. Wait, brother. We're not just seven days. Not just seven? We are also approximately 156 hours. What? 9,372 minutes. What? And 5, 562,352 seconds oh, away from this glorious and momentous event. Yeah. In other words, LCM, we are going to make the most of our days leading up to the conference. Come on, with somebody. Now, you guys can imagine after a word like we heard on Sunday, entitled, Great and Strange Sight. It's all we've been thinking about in our homes, meditating on during the week, and aiming to walk out in our very lives. Yeah. So tonight will not be any different. Not any different, guys. We're going to share with you our personal engagement with Sunday and reflect on some of the items and directives we've been given for the purpose of bringing us to a place of a greater level of unity and maturity in this body. Amen. Because we are going to see the gospel brought back to Jerusalem Come through on. our faith-filled actions. So with that said, LCM, out of the gate, we want to tell you, just like you heard on Sunday, that you are the great and strange sight that draws all on, nations amen. back to Adonai. Yes. Brothers and sisters, this statement is not something to take lightly. It is a present reality and an honor of the ages to represent the King of Kings. Come on, man. An honor of the ages to represent the King of Kings. That we are the great and strange sight that attracts the nations to his throne. We were thinking about this, LCM, and we thought to ourselves... Like, Gabriel, what does it actually take to be an ambassador of a country? Like, for example, this country, Adam, what kind of requirements or qualifications are needed to fill the role of an ambassador? So we did some Googling. Somebody say Googling. Googling. We looked into this on Google, the Google. The Google. To find out what it takes to be an ambassador of the United States. And this is what we found out. You need at least the following. You must possess stellar verbal and written communication skills. Somebody say stellar. Stellar. You must be aware and up to date of current events in the world, both domestically and internationally. I know some of you guys just find a hard time to keep up, right? In addition to that, you need a higher education, Nolan. In fact, if you have a graduate's degree, this is preferred, Guillermo. A master's or a PhD will accelerate your chances at becoming an ambassador. Mo for three right now. You know what else? You have to rub shoulders with many, many political people, attend events, all kind of things, right? And this is, the this is the last that we found on Google. To be an ambassador of the United States of America, you have to do as much humanitarian work as possible to get noticed. Man, in other words, the world just says do as much as you can. Yeah. Strive with everything that you can do in your own strength. You know, work your angles here, make some deals there, and you might get promoted. You guys know this is not how the kingdom works. This is not how the kingdom of God works. This is not how we were chosen to be great and strange sights. In fact, let's take a look at how you were chosen. Yeah. Okay. LCM, with some insights in Paul's life, let's check out 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 26. Oh, 
in the ESV. Y'all turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. What? Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Come on, I want you all to engage with this. Repeat after me. Somebody say, not wise. Not, not wise. But chosen. But, but chosen. chosen. Not powerful. Not, not powerful. powerful. But chosen. chosen. But chosen. Not of noble birth. Not of, of noble, noble birth. birth. But still chosen. But still chosen. Still chosen. <laughs> now, when you say this, LCM, these words out of your mouth, doesn't it make your heart flutter knowing that there was nothing that you brought to the king in and of your own strength for him to select you? But he picked you anyways. Yeah. Come on, LCM. He picked us anyways. Yeah. You see, I wouldn't have picked me. <laughs> this is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. This is his ways being higher than our ways. His ways are higher than the ways of the world. He chose you. He doesn't choose like the world chooses. This is the method of operation from the beginning. He loves to choose and select what is weak lowly, even despised, so that he can display his glory and power through his chosen vessels. Come on, Come on, LCM. This is Abraham called in his own age, who is the father of the faithful. This is Joseph sold into slavery and still became Zaphonath Paneah, the yeah. savior of the world. Yeah. This is Gideon hiding in a wine press and still came to deliver Israel. Yeah. This is King David, who was the last to be considered, yet chosen as king. This is the small and peculiar nation of Israel. The very nation that Adonai chose to bring forth his salvation to the nations. And God has not changed his mind now. This is how he chooses you and how he chooses those that he desires to display his power through. LCM, this is who you are. That brings us to tonight's title. Chosen and unashamed. Come on, someone say chosen and unashamed. Una Shamed. It's about time. Let's turn to Exodus 3, everyone. And as we turn to this familiar passage, we're going to look at this with fresh eyes and a different perspective. Yes, Lord, give us fresh eyes. So we're going to do Exodus 3, verse 2. As you were turning there, say, chosen and unashamed. Exodus 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over to see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Church, the first thing we want to point out here is that when God intervened on this bush, there was immediate light. When God chose this bush to display his glory, it was immediate light to everyone around him. Church, when God chose you, because he has chosen you, it means that you are the light everywhere you go immediately. You don't have to wake up in the morning and you know, try to put your light on. He has chosen you, and so you already are the light. You are the light of the world, church. Not will be, you are. 
Second thing we want to point out is the bush did not have to fabricate this light and fire, and neither do we. In every circumstance, when God wants to use us, when he wants to speak to a man on the other side of the desert like Moses and call out something great from his life, we don't have to try to fabricate these things. We just have to be where God wants us to be, and he will burn inside of us. Come on, my brother. That's, that's something that I heard one of our brothers in the 12 talk about during his two minutes, that we are not the fuel, nor are we the flame. We're just the wick. We're just the conduit. That was a good word. Come on. Thank you for that, Asab. Church, we want you to take special note of this passage. God did not need anything that the bush had to offer. The bush burned and it wasn't consumed, meaning that the fire burned because God wanted it to burn. Normally, you need fuel for a fire. Normally, that fuel gets used up, gets turned to ash. But it is not so with you, LCM. It is God's fire that burns in you and is sufficient for shining in every circumstance, every time, for all time. He will not let your fire grow dim if you are rooted where you're supposed to be. See, the, the bush was burning, but it was not burnt up. When God wants to set his fire somewhere, it did not depend on the bush's ability to spontaneously combust. God burned, and he burned for however long he wanted to burn until Moses got the point. Church, with us, we do not have to fabricate what God is doing in our lives. We do not have to fabricate and be the fuel for God's fire. When God wants to burn, he will burn in you and through you, and you can expect it, and you can eagerly desire it. And everywhere you go, you can walk confidently because God chose you, church. I love what Gabe just said. We don't have to fabricate this. We don't have to fabricate it at all. He also said to have fire, you need fuel. But that's not how our king operates like Rob already said from Isaiah 55. He desires to burn inside of this bush from Exodus 3, and you see the immediate light that shines forth from this bush. God's light and power was on display through this bush, LCM. Notice that when the Lord manifested himself in the bush, it didn't gradually catch fire, Caleb. It didn't, it didn't incrementally catch fire. No, it combustively immediately caught fire and there was light that Moses can see. This is God's method and this has always been his operation. There's also something else we noticed from Exodus chapter 3. There's no description of this bush. Nameless bush, you don't get to find out what kind of type of bush it is. There's nothing specifically pointed out in scripture as to why the Lord picked out this bush out of all the others. Why even a bush? I don't know. We were talking about this while studying, Rob. The Lord is able to do whatever he wants. He can give people dreams, trances. He can send his angels. We see this all over the scriptures. But when he wanted to reveal himself to Moses, he picked a nameless bush that's not even identified in, in scripture, not a tree, a bush to manifest himself through to get Moses' attention. How is that any different than us? And we were meditating on this LCM. It got us to start to think about other examples in the word of God where God chose unlikely vessels of vessels in and of themselves had nothing to offer the Lord for why he would, why he would lend them the, the ability to burn brightly from him. So with that being said, you guys want to see this example? 
Oh, yeah. Let's turn to John chapter 9. Come on. When we pick up in John 9, we're going to read this in NLT. Say chosen and unashamed when you get there. Chosen and unashamed. I got a shout out from Elder Charlie because he loves the NLT. Are you guys there? The never lacking translation, right, Charlie? Yeah, come on. Look at this. Verse 1. As Jesus, I hear, I hear people still turning. Y'all there? Yeah. All right. Come on, man. Verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Look at Jesus' response. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Come on. LCM, this is incredible. This man, this unlikely candidate was born and placed where he was for no other reason that the Lord wanted to demonstrate his power through him. For the purpose that other people could see God's power at work inside of the man. LCM, this, this is us. We are the man from John 9. There was nothing that we could offer the king. This was not an interview. The man did absolutely nothing, but he existed for the purpose so God can manifest himself through him. You guys know the rest of the story. Jesus spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it on the man's eyes, instructs him to go wash at a pool of Siloam. The man's eyes are open when he does this in obedience, and he can see. So we're going to pick up in John 9, verse 8, and there's something that we want you guys to take hold of after the man's eyes are open. Yeah, we got to point something out here. We're going to remind you that it said in verse 3, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And it wasn't just the moment that he, that he got healed. We want to point this out to you. In, in verse 8, it says, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, nah, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Did you guys catch something there? Whose eyes were open? The blind man. The blind, blind man. man. Did he run around and say, hey, hey, Gabe, you notice, you notice my new haircut? Isn't it nice? Hey, hey, Bim, I noticed you have really big biceps. What do you think about, am I, am I doing good over here? He didn't have to point out a change that was happening in his life. It was, it was evident to all of those around him. He didn't have to go and grab them and convince them. Come on. You see, this man had his eyes opened and the light of God was shining to all of those around him. It was his neighbors and the people of his town that could clearly see exactly what God was doing in his life. You mean the world tells us, the word tells us that when the Lord reaches down to manifest his power through a man, that man is immediately a light that everyone else can see. Come on. Because that's what this is telling us. A light that cannot be ignored, just like Moses, seeing and being drawn to the bush ablaze with the power and the light of God. This man from John 9 has become exactly that to the people around him. And LCM, that is who you are. Yes. Come on. He is a great and strange sight that drew the people. LCM, you are a great and strange sight that's drawing all nations to Adonai. Yeah. You, LCM, are the very ones that he chose beforehand to display his power. It had nothing to do with you, but so that God could display his power through you. Come on. Come on. Can we think of some people that we can look around and see in here? How about Ubong? Yeah. When Ubong was Come set on, ablaze, did he have to go tell everybody? Or we, no. could we see it on his face? Yeah. Come on. Give me a big old smile back there, Ubong. Yeah. 
Man, I was there when Guillermo got filled with the spirit of Adonai. He didn't have to run around and tell everybody. You can see it in his, his, his ability to string scriptures together and to accurately discern what the spirit of God wanted to do. I was there when Justin Linton was born again. Y'all love Justin Linton? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, man, when this man caught the fire of heaven, he didn't have to go stand on the street corner and yell at everybody. They could see it just like the man from John chapter 9 because God manifested his presence through Justin, and it immediately was a light that the entire world could see. Joe Bar, stand up. Stand up, big boy. Can y'all see a brighter light shining through his life? Yes. Can y'all see that Josiah is able to go around and be a light to those around him constantly because of his faith-filled action towards God? Absolutely. Does he have to come and tell you about it? No, it's obvious. You see, LCM, you may not be trained speakers. You may not have a cemetery, I mean, seminary degree. You don't rub shoulders with the world, but you are men and women who are willing to be used by the Lord for his purposes. Amen. And because of that faith and that willingness, he empowers you to stand before kings and paupers, ablaze with the very power of God, proving in words and faith-filled actions that you are men and women that have been with Jesus. Come on, another thing we want to point out is because you are the great and strange sight, because you are the ones chosen by Adonai to represent his light in the world, it should give you confidence in everything that you do that you have the right of access to his presence. Yeah. Let's continue on. Let's go to John 9, verse 30. It says, why that's very strange, the man replied. He has healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has ever been able to open up the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. See, where this man is, is he's being put on trial before the religious leaders of his day. What happened in his life was so transformative that everyone wanted to know. Everyone wanted to talk to him about it, and uh, some people hated him for it. Yeah. But do you see his confidence? Yes. Do you see his unashamed nature here? Unashamed. The man with the experience is never at the mercy of the man who merely has an argument. Yeah. They're saying, you know, did you sin, or did your parents sin, or no, you must be some other guy. And he says, no, it's me. I've been transformed. I've been changed. And therefore, I'm unashamed to speak what God has done in my life. And I don't care who it's to. Because it happened. He is fully convinced of what he has received because God did something in his life. This is a very obvious question, church. But has the Lord done something in your life? Yes. Think about the moments when he opened up your eyes. Think about the times where he changed your life, where he came and met you when you weren't looking for him. Something we didn't point out earlier in this, in this chapter, this was not one of those instances where the man cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. It just says that Jesus came up to him, spit in the dirt, and rubbed it on his eyes, and then he was able to see. God interjected into his life. And his life was forever changed. Church, that is all of us. Amen. We were not looking for the Lord, but he found us. 
And in turn, we now know him and our eyes have been opened. This salvation that we've received, it doesn't come from us. Therefore, we can be unashamed everywhere we go with whoever we're with because our eyes have been opened. It's a simple matter of fact. God did it. And because he did it, it didn't matter to the man what anyone else thought because God chose him. He, He picked him and he changed him. Church, this is the confidence we get to have starting right now, because he already has changed our lives. This is us, LCM. We are just like this man. The choice that God made still stands for you. It wasn't just the first time you stood in the Lord's presence. It's every day. We have that confidence to stand with him. And I just want to quote this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Church, his grace for you, his power in your life to overcome sin, to live the righteous life that you're supposed to, that grace is not without effect in any of your lives. We are growing and increasing like that fire that God has put inside of us. Sorry, while my brother was talking, I I have to point this out and prove even further how you are just like this man. This man was able to be bold in the face of opposition, having interacted with Messiah, but never having seen him. Never having seen him. Though you have not seen him, you love him still. This is us. LCM, we want to say that his grace in you is now without effect. We can clearly see it in your lives. It is because you have the right of access to his very presence. Why is it that the man from John 9 can just start preaching And he's never seen Jesus. It's because he understood that the manifestation of God's power in his life meant that he had right access to the Father's throne. Elsim, that is us. We don't need need the sky to to split apart for us to know that he's with us. No, we know he's with us because we can see our lives have been changed by him. So what we're going to do, Elsim, knowing this, how we're going to respond knowing that we have the right of access to his very presence and his throne. Come on, show us, Ben. It has to be the attitude that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 4. Look at what it says in the NIV. We'll just put this up on the screen. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. My family, did you guys hear that? That our confidence, our competence, our ability is through Jesus. That's why it says what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, that since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new, new and living way open to us through the curtain of his body. That confidence doesn't rest on Abimbola. That confidence doesn't rest on Gabriel or Rob. We have no confidence in ourselves. Paul says in Philippians, I put no confidence in the flesh. My confidence is derived from heaven. And this has to be our attitude, LCM. In fact, this is our attitude. That's why you're here tonight. It's because you know that the Father is at work in you, that you are a great and strange sight that draws the nations to his throne. And because he's manifested in you, just like the burning bush in Exodus 3, just like the man in John 9, you know that you have access to his very throne, LCM. So for this very reason, 
We're going to rise up in confidence that it's ours in Christ, LCM. We're going to rise up in this confidence because we have access to the King of Kings. We have his mind, like 1 Corinthians 2 says, that we have the mind of Christ. And look at what is produced inside of us. Look at the tenacity by which we're going after the things of God. Look at the foundation that he has laid here. And look at the deep convictions that he's worked in this body. LCM, we're just seven, seven days away from the One Association Conference to celebrate what the Lord is doing all around the churches domestically and our churches internationally because we are a great and strange sight that he has picked to manifest his very presence. Come on, having that confidence, I'm reminded of John 15, 15 through 16. We can throw it up. You don't have to turn there. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is what he's speaking to them, and this is what he's speaking to us as a body, that he gives us access to the knowledge of the father, to what the father desires, to where he's wanting to lead us, and what he's wanting to produce with our life. He goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That sounds like we have confidence to enter in, right? Absolutely, brother. The fact that we are chosen and unashamed because he chose us, we didn't have to go by for the Lord's attention, gives us the confidence to go forth and find out what the Father actually desires of us and know that we can have power to walk forward in it. 2 Corinthians 3.12, a couple of verses later from what Bim just read, says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Come very on. bold. This sounds like that man that gained his sight in John 9. This man had no reason for confidence until he did because he was chosen and he was very bold, even in the face of opposition. You see, speaking of opposition, Isaiah 50, 7 through 9 reads, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. That sounds like confidence to me. That sounds like someone that is unashamed of whatever's coming before them. See, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. This sounds like a man that's had an experience like Joshua in Zechariah chapter 3. This sounds like a man that knows the character of his father and is willing to stake everything on who he knows his father is. This sounds like a man that knows it is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moss will eat them up. See, this is the great confidence that the Lord is calling us to walk in. This confidence comes from knowing his character and knowing that he's called us to give us access to enter in and be with him and know how to be renewed on a daily basis. When I think of confidence such as that, I can't help but think of the character that we see of God in Psalm uh, chapter 18 and what kind of confidence that's to stir in each one of us as we interact and engage with this. Come on, let's turn to Psalm 18 and we'll start in verse 4. Somebody say, I'm unashamed when you get there. I am unashamed. Psalm 18, verse 4. says, the cords of death entangled me. Uh Uh-oh. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came before him into his ears. I've been interacting with this facet of the Lord's character this week. 
and it's been setting me free in a lot of different ways. When I get focused on the inadequacies that I have, when I get focused on the death that I feel like is entangling me, the only thing that matters is that we cry out to the Lord and we fix our eyes back on him. Because when we cry out to the Lord, our cry comes before him. It comes into his ears. It's not just that we file some paperwork and then we give it to him and he'll, he'll get to it when he gets to it and it's on his desk somewhere. When we cry out to the Lord because we matter to him, because we have been chosen by him, because he has set his fire and his name inside of us, he listens attentively. His ears are attentive to your cry, church. Whatever you feel like you're going through, whatever blindness you feel like you still have, the Lord is attentive to your cry. And when you get that perspective, your blindness doesn't matter. Your distress, it doesn't matter because you matter to the Lord. When we cry out, it comes right before him, right into his ears. Let's look at verse 7, and we will uh, we'll contemplate, we'll meditate on the Lord's response when we cry out. See, it's not just that he hears us. It's not just that he understands that we are in trouble and that we are praying. This is how the Lord chooses to respond to his people, to his chosen people, to this holy and royal nation. Before Gabe moves on in verse 7 of Psalm 18, you guys read the end of Exodus chapter 2. The chapter ends with the nation of Israel crying out, and it says that their cry entered Adonai's ears. And then what's the next chapter? Introduce Moses. Come on. In verse 7, after David cries out to the Lord. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Church, why was he angry? Because there were enemies against his people. The Lord takes that very personally. He parted the heavens and came down. In verse 9, dark clouds were under his feet. In verse 13, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. In verse 15, it says, The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath from your nostrils. Whatever enemies you feel like you have, pale in comparison to the power of the Lord and how he feels about you. This is, he viscerally desires to clothe you, church. He viscerally desires to deliver you from your enemies. He viscerally desires for you to be holy and to burn ablaze. This is how the Lord fights for his people. He doesn't do it half-heartedly. He does it with all of his might, church. The Lord moves on your behalf with all of his might. He is wholehearted. This is how he feels about you. In Psalm 18, verse 16, it says this. He reached down from on high and took a hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. 
and he rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. Church, he chose you, and it wasn't about you. Church, he gave you right to access his presence, and it wasn't on the basis of your own confidence. Church, he's bringing us into a spacious place because he delights in you. Because he loves you, he delights in you, and he fights for you, and it was never about your ability. What reasons do we have to be ashamed? The Lord delights in us, church. And when we get a hold of that, it changes everything that we do. It changes the conversations we have in our own head. It changes the conversations we have with our family, with our brothers, with our coworkers. The Lord delights in me, therefore I am not ashamed. The Lord delivers me with all of his heart. Therefore, I want to be wholehearted for him. I want to burn for him because he's burning for me. He has chosen us, church. He has given us the right to access his throne. And he is the God who fights for you. Whether you see it or whether you don't, he fights for you. He fights for his people. Church, think back to Sunday in Zechariah 3. It displays the same concept. Satan is standing there accusing. Joshua, the high priest, he was appointed by God. He didn't choose to be appointed by the Lord. The Lord chose him. Joshua was standing in the Lord's presence, not because Joshua had clean robes, but because the Lord had given him free access to his presence. Church, when we feel like we have to have our robes all clean and tidied up before we can come to the Lord, we actually get that reversed. In coming to the Lord, that's when he cleans us. See, but this is the, this is the context that he's in. Joshua is standing there, and he didn't get chosen to be the high priest. Or he, he didn't choose himself to be the high priest. He didn't allow himself to go into the presence of the Lord. The Lord brought him there. And while he was there, there was an enemy accusing him. What are those enemies accusing you, church? You can't shine the light. You're going to fall flat. It's not true at all. You are shining the light. You are that great and strange sight. The Lord's response in Zechariah 3 is beautiful. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. As hard as the enemy comes against you, the Lord goes harder against the enemy. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a man that I have snatched from the fire? Put a clean turban on his head. And then he gives him instructions in how to walk. Can you imagine how confident Joshua would have felt in that moment? Very confident. You're looking at the Lord and everything that he's doing, and the Lord chose to clothe you. Makes me want to be a priest with all of my heart. Makes me want to be unashamed with everything that I am. And then Joshua becomes a representation of what is to come, which is the branch. Church, that is all of us. We have been clothed, we've been cleaned, and we represent the branch who is to come. Church, because he fights for us in this way, our response must be to engage in this daily renewal process of coming back to him because he delights in us, of bringing him everything that we need so that we can go and be obedient in everything that he's called us to do. Church, this is what we are after this evening, walking in the reality of the fact that he has chosen you. 
that he has brought you into his presence, that he has cleaned you, he has made you holy, and he has clothed you for the righteous things that you need to do. This is how he fights for us, church. My brothers and sisters, because we have right access to his throne and his presence, we can reveal our worn-out priestly garments. It's because that action of doing that is fuel for the display of God's majesty and power. And we can see this echoed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look, look at what it says in verse 9. Ben, while you're turning there, it's not just that we can. We get to. Yes. We get to. Absolutely. Look at, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, picking up in verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, picking up in verse 9. It says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Come on. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Come on. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. LCM. It is only in the revealing of our worn-out garments where the Lord's perfect power rests upon us. Notice many times in Scripture, you have a prophet that stands there, and by the Spirit of God, he prophesies on Adonai's behalf. There are few times in Scripture where God is speaking for himself, and there's, there's no mediator speaking on his behalf. Right here in 2 Corinthians 12, God is saying about himself, my power is perfected in your weakness. That is a statement of all statements, LCM. And for me personally, I've been meditating and chewing on this verse because it's happening in my life. Yeah, this week, man, I've been fighting to draw near to my king. I mean, like fighting on the level of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? They're there to pray with Jesus. Jesus is about to go and die for the entire world, but they just could not keep their eyes open. Well, church, that's been me this week. Hey, brother, you're winning. Oh, yeah. You're getting no, it. I'm getting it. I'm, I'm, I'm working to draw towards my father. I'm drawing close to him, and I'm giving him all that I have, and it's not enough. I'm like, Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm giving my best. But you know what happened this week, LCM? His perfect power showed up in my weakness. Come on. His perfect power was displayed when I laid out all for him. This is, this, is, this is Elijah in 1 Kings 19, where he's pouring out precious commodity of water on a sacrifice so that the fire of God would fall and the nation would turn back to him. Yeah. It is only in our weakness, LCM, that his perfect power is on display. It's why he tells Gideon, hey, 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 you're thousands of men. Let's just whittle that down completely. Let's, let's keep going down, down. Perfect, right there. So you can know that it's only through my perfect power and your weakness that I'm going to bring about salvation for the nation. Elsim, don't we have examples of these in our lives? Where in our weakness, his perfect power comes through. Where you thought you couldn't do something, you were physically limited in your own strength. But he showed up anyways because he's delighted to do so. Elsim, this is the heartbeat of, heartbeat of Paul's letter in the book of Romans. Where he just states this, like it says in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed... Of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. That word there is dunamis. Same word there in 2 Corinthians 12. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. For the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew. And then for the Gentile. Elsie, we want you guys to catch something here. That Paul saying in Romans chapter 1. 
when he says he's not ashamed of the gospel, he's not talking about in generalities. What he's saying is, I am not ashamed of my personal engagement with the process of the gospel and the power of God, like 2 Corinthians chapter 12, power of God that is perfected even though he has weaknesses. That's what he means when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Elsim, you are men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel. The Lord has given us promises that this, this gospel is going to go right back to Jerusalem where it started. And he's going to do it through men like Ray Levinson. He's going to do it through men like Paul Rosales. He's going to do it through us, LCM. And he is delighted to do so. All right, church, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Chosen and unashamed when you get there. Chosen and unashamed. Chosen and unashamed. I still hear pages turning. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let's wrestle with this church. Paul was in no way a man unaware of the work of God that was needed in his life consistently. He knew that God chose him despite himself. In fact, right before this, he calls himself lesser in every way. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is the stance that we're going to take today. This is the stance that we're going to stand on today. The fact that he has chosen you, and by his grace, you are what you are, and you can be that right here and right now. It doesn't matter what yesterday looked like. It doesn't matter the failings or the shortcomings in the past. That by the grace of God, his power at work within you, you are who you are. See, we can understand that Paul was a man just like us. Just like James says, Elijah was a man just like us. That's something that we really have to grasp here. We can't look to this man, Paul, and say that the process for him is somehow different than it is for me. It's not. I'm telling you now that you can and you will do this today. I'm telling you that you are doing this. You already are the great and strange sight And we want to encourage you that you can stand up and even more so shine brightly and become more fully everything that God has called you to become. And you can do it now. See, God chose Paul despite anything that Paul had to offer, despite all the shortcomings, despite the fact that he was persecuting the very church itself. This caused him to give every effort and faith-filled actions in his service to the king, knowing that his efforts alone were not going to be enough but that his best efforts would continuously be met with the power of his great king and made sufficient. See, as any man, there were undoubtedly mistakes and shortcomings, but he would continuously find ways to get back up and make every effort to give the lamb who was slain the reward of his suffering. Come on, saints, who in here wants to give the lamb that was slain the reward for his suffering in my life? This is you. This is who we are. We're men that make mistakes. We are a congregation that is imperfect, and yet in our weaknesses, God is allowing us to stand up time and time again and have his power perfected in our lives through faith-filled actions, through obedience and trust that he is able and that he will. Church, we can't do this today. Our king is waiting to meet us with his perfecting power. Go ahead and turn with us to our final passage. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20. Church, let's stand up. We're going to be in Acts 20, verse 24. But let's get ready. 
to thank the Lord for how he has been good to us. This is going to be a time of worship and celebration and confidence because God has chosen us and he's given us access to his throne. He viscerally fights for us and empowers us to do what we need to do. Acts 20 verse 24 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Church, let's let this be our attitude this evening. The attitude that we will work harder, knowing that the work that we can do is not out of our own ability or confidence, and knowing that it comes from God, that the strength that we have, the grace that we have, it comes from the Lord. Church, he will empower us for everything we need to do. So let us be expectant to do the things that God's called us to do every day. Let us be blazing torches, burning ever brighter until we meet him on that day. Church, we will do everything he wants to do, that he wants us to do because he chose us. He has given us the right to be renewed in his presence. And he viscerally fights for us to be holy, clean, and clothed. Because of him, we are a strange and great sight, church. So as we worship, as we pray, let us praise him with an unashamed nature. Thanking the Lord for the fact that he has delighted in us. So as Bim prays for us, let us thank the Lord for how good he has been to us. Let us let the chains fall off. Anything you're worried about, the Lord is going to fight for you. Father, we thank you. That Lord, in and of ourselves, Lord, we had nothing to offer you, but you chose us anyways. So Father, with hands raised high and with praise upon our lips, Lord, we glorify your majesty. We glorify who you are because you are worthy of all praise. Lord, we thank you that your perfect power is manifested in spite of our weaknesses, Lord God. Lord, we exalt your holy name and we exalt who you are. You are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob.